and welcome to Front Office Features. I am Rob Crane, and I am without my sidekick today. Uh, Chris Valente is uh, at home on the porch, relegated to the porch, as uh, he has COVID. Uh, he's fine. He's doing good. He's boosted. He's vaccinated. He's got everything that he has. He did test positive, and uh, he is rele- Rachel kicked him out and put him on the porch for the next few days. So uh, he will be listening uh, as he is. I talked to him today. Chris is bored out of his mind at night. So uh, we'll have to give him some good things. So if you know, if you reach out to Chris, tell him you're thinking about him um, and we'll be good. But no matter what, uh, the show must go on. And we've got a great guest today. And our guest is uh, Bob Lynch. And he is the founder and the president of Sponsor United. So Bob, Welcome to Front Office Features. Thanks for having me, Rob. And I hope Chris is in a warm area if he's sitting on a porch somewhere. Because So uh, Chris is fine. He's got, uh, they just did a, he goes, oh, I have my three-season porch. Well, he he took the three-season porch and put insulation and heat in it. And he still calls it his three-season porch. I was like, Chris, this is just a room now. Like, you can't call it a three-season porch. It's a four-season porch. <laughs> it's a room. It's a room. You just have an additional room. Yeah, we have a lot of those around here. They call it converting a single-family home into a multi-family home. Building <laughs> out the porch. Yeah, so you just have like a so he has so he's on the porch, but uh, he's sick. Uh, he's got COVID, but he'll get over it. He's a tough guy, and he's feeling good. I talked to him probably three times today. Um, so anyway, Chris has gone there, but uh, you know I think we upgraded. Uh, don't tell him I said that, but I think we upgraded, Bob. Uh, we've we've got you sponsor United. Um, I like the Bob and Rob show. I think it, it's 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 yeah. Cool. We've got ourselves a you know Midwest morning radio show. Hey, welcome to one hundred four point three. This is the Bob and Rob show. What do you think? How's my radio voice? Oh, co- coincidentally, I I used to be the sales manager of a station that was one hundred four three Q one hundred four three Classic Rock in New York City. So uh, rocking your favorite seventies, eighties, and nineties here today. Next is Van Halen. I, I think it was meant to be, Rob. <laughs> I think I do you think I got the voice? I, I, I think you should stick to your day job. <laughs> I think you're probably right. I think you're probably right. Well, Bob, I'm very excited to talk to you today uh, because I find so I am a user of Sponsor United. I use it every damn day and it is ubiquitous in sports. What you have built and what it has become is like the go-to tool. So before we get into kind of what Sponsor United is, how it's growing, what you're kind of doing, is I kind of want to set the stage. Can you give me, you know, the old comic book phrases, what's your origin story? Like, where did this start, right? Like, you were on the team side. You were on the uh, the, the media side. So take us through. Like, take us, where, where did Bob start? Well, my career started in, in radio, as I, as I mentioned, up in uh, your neck of the woods, Boston, uh, Boston Sports Radio, News Talk Radio. I was in ad sales. I had the opportunity to go down to New York in, in a similar role with uh, Z100, big pop music station. Uh, and we had uh, what was called the Jingle Ball Concerts, which was a pretty big deal. Some of the top artists in the country every year, Madison Square Garden. So I started to get introduced a little bit to the sponsorship space. Not that much, though. When you're in New York City and media, it's all about agencies and cost per points and things of that nature. Uh, but the origin of the company was I had the opportunity to go down to Miami uh, as the VP of uh, integrated media for the Miami Dolphins uh, back in 2010. 
And uh, that was about halfway through my career. And at that point, I really didn't have a full grasp and understanding of what the concept of sponsorship like really was. Um, I understood. So what was it that you were trying to do with? So how did the Miami thing come about? Right. So how did you go from selling the jingle ball in New York to now integrated media? What did that mean? What brought you to uh, the Dolphins? Yeah, but, you know, I, my career, and I'm sure many others, is like a game of Plinko. You know, you just kind of jump from <laughs> one place to the next, and all of a sudden you find yourself in, you know, Miami, where I, I never thought I would be. Um, I had a, a boss uh, up in Boston, uh, and they had the radio rights with uh, the Red Sox um, at the time that I was up there, a gentleman by the name of Jim Rushton, who's the chief revenue officer of the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. When I left to go to New York City and work for iHeartMedia, um, Jim and I stayed in touch. We were, we were relatively close. Uh, Jim worked with a gentleman by the name of Mike D from the Boston Red Sox. He's I know Mike. I know Mike. Mike's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Very well known in the industry and, and, uh, was there during the heyday of, you know, the Red Sox really kind of becoming what they have been in the last 15, 20 years or so. It's one and- of the founding fathers. I hear, I, I, he never told me this, but I hear he's like one of the founding fathers of FSM and FSG and that whole, how that all became a, a thing. Yeah, was, I think that was really early days of, of sports teams really te- kind of taking a broader macro look at sort of real estate and ancillary, um, you know, properties and things that they could develop beyond just the team. And they did an absolutely fantastic job of doing that. But yeah, from what I understand, he was he was really in the mix and building that out. And he um, took a similar approach when he when he came down to the Miami Dolphins and he was recruited down there by Stephen Ross when uh, he became the majority owner of the Miami Dolphins to become the, uh, uh, the CEO. And when he came down there, he, uh, had recruited Jim to come down and be the senior vice president of sponsorships. And in the course of them, um, working together in that first year, they had determined there was an opportunity to, uh, pull as many of their media rights in house and create a 360 content and sort of sales, uh, uh, team essentially. And, uh, they had, uh, Jim had reached out to me, uh, with the opportunity to go down there and to help lead sales, build out a sales team, and then work collaborative, co- collaboratively with uh, a gentleman that I used to work with in Boston as well, uh, by the name of Wayne Partello, who uh, became the chief marketing officer of the uh, San Diego Padres. He just left there to start his own agency about a year ago, um, and he worked on the content side. And the idea was that we were siloed in terms of what happened on the radio broadcast was a totally separate entity. Um, we, we got a rights fee, the inventory content was all done separately by the, uh, the, the, the radio station. Same thing with the pregame and postgame television, with uh, the website, with print, all of those things. They were kind of done as single entities. And the idea behind it at the time, and it was, um, again, something that wasn't really done as much back then was how do we create consistency in the brand and the content that we're putting out as an NFL organization? And then leveraging that when we're engaged with brands, we can have a much more holistic sort of solution for them versus uh, meeting with a team or, or meeting with a brand, I should say, and all roads lead to like signage in the stadium or whatever yeah, right. it is that you control versus what you don't control. And that was kind of the vision that they had early on. I, w- I wish I could take credit for it. I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> uh, they, you know, they brought me down and gave me the opportunity to, uh, to, to help to build that. And uh, it was a wonderful concept at the time, and it was certainly something that wasn't done. So we were sort of making it up as we went. Uh, but that's that's how I had the opportunity to go down there and just felt like it was a great opportunity to sort of shift into 
totally. Obviously, the NFL is, is um, you know, so well respected, and it was an opportunity for me to kind of continue to grow my career in a, in a, in a, in a way and in a market that I wasn't familiar with. So I was going to get a little uncomfortable just trying to figure things out at the time. I think some of the best advice that uh, you know we we give young people is, and I guess older people too, is like be comfortable in the uncomfortable, right? is that's the really the only way that you can grow and challenge yourself. If you're always comfortable, you're never really challenging yourself. You're always just, you know, kind of status quo and, uh, you know, uncomfortable is kind of cool. I think, you know, sometimes people forget about that because after a while of, you know, you start out your career and then you're you're sort of uh, getting in your groove and, and after a while you're growing and you're successful um, that tends to go away and you probably forget about how uncomfortable you were in the beginning of your career. And sometimes you have to kind of take a complete pivot and jump into something so unfamiliar that you are going to uh, sort of scramble. And, uh, and that's what I sort of had the opportunity to do. And I felt like the, the Miami market, I'd been in New York, been in Boston, two very different markets in and of themselves, but Miami was a whole different, uh, a whole different environment and dynamic um, as well as obviously being a, at a professional sports team. And so felt like no matter what happened, and, and I had actually uh, had said that to Jim when he was um, originally contemplating going down there, we were talking of like, hey, this is, this is a great opportunity for you because you've been up in Boston your whole career. So I kind of had to take my own advice when the opportunity was presented to me to go down there and say, hey, this is, this is a great opportunity. No matter how it turns out, I'm probably going to learn a tremendous amount that's going to better me. And Fortunately, I had that opportunity about 10 years into my career uh, to sort of do that. And I I think that was uh, really beneficial. Uh, A lot of people don't have that opportunity. Yeah, right. So when you're going here and then you go to um, uh, BSE, right? So uh, how did that all work out? Take take us through that. You kind of go more to the partnership side. And is this kind of where, where did like the, now we're kind of, I feel like we're kind of getting to like where the impetus of Sponsor United came from. Well, the idea behind Sponsor United, it was within the first probably six to eight months of me being at the Miami Dolphins. Actually. Really? It was that it was that soon? Yeah, just I didn't have the guts to do it. It took me a very long time to get the gumption up to actually think about starting a company. Plus, I didn't actually know how the company would. I, I kind of knew what some of the problems and challenges were. I really didn't know how to solve them. Yeah, right. I never, I never founded a company before. So I had thought about it for a very long time. But within those first few months of being there, it was so... Uh, it was so uncomfortable trying to figure out, well, what is sponsorship? What, what do we have to sell? How do you bundle it? There's just a tremendous amount to learn. And that really was the impetus behind Sponsor University, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit, of me not knowing that as somebody who was very you know, confident and felt like I was a success up to that point in my career, I was learning something completely new, a new language. And understanding, getting my arms wrapped around that, I realized most participants in the space that don't actually work for a team day in, day out, where they have the opportunity to kind of figure things out like brands that maybe 10% of their marketing and spend was actually towards sponsorship, but it was, you know, the majority was spent elsewhere. They probably too didn't have their arms completely wrapped around all the nuance, all the different things that could go on, not just in sponsorship in the NFL, but completely other, you know, different environments like what you do and, and what others do in, in, uh, different sports and entertainment and things like that. And so I felt like there was this real challenge of just understanding the space. And I felt like this was such a dynamic and fascinating industry, the sponsorship industry. It was growing rapidly at the time as it still is today, yet not everybody really understood what was going on in the space. Yeah, and that's right. where I started to think, gee, if, if people could be empowered with better data, better connectivity 
to more opportunities uh, and a smarter, faster, more efficient way, whether you're on the buy side or sell side to identify these opportunities, we, we could probably make the entire industry better. And so I, I started thinking about it then, uh, but I, I couldn't understand how to solve for it. So that's, you know, when I got to BSE Global, my wife's from Brooklyn, we were having our second kid. It was an opportunity for us to, I always wanted to, uh, I always looked at the the dolphins as like getting my college degree and maybe getting my master's, you know, four to six years. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I loved it there. It was absolutely amazing, but, um, I've got family in Connecticut since like the 1800s. So I, <laughs> yeah, come back. I was going to be buried here one day. Um, and so I had an opportunity to go up that way with Mike Zavodsky, um, and Brett Yormark who were there. And, um, and the fortunate thing was I realized that in the NBA and the NHL, which we had the rights to sell against the New York Islanders as well at the time, is that it wasn't that different. It was obviously a different sport, but the, uh, the nuts and bolts of how the sponsorships were done, uh, the challenges around the sponsorship buy sell equation were somewhat similar. So I realized this is a bigger problem than just, let's say, the NFL 32 teams. Um, and, and I realized the entire sponsorship industry, if there was some way to bring uh, access to better information in real time, the entire industry could sort of, uh, you know, be lifted up. So, you know, I'm, I'm interested, like I'm, uh, I consider myself, I like, I at least think entrepreneurial. Like I, I think about this, right? So I asked this as, all right, so you've got this idea six to eight months into um, Miami. Then like, how does, like, what are you thinking about, right? You kind of have this concept, like I can make sponsorship sales better, more efficient, easier, not that the sale's not easy, but the data's better. Like, how did you then say, you said, I couldn't solve the problem. Where was your re- eureka moment of saying, I got the way to solve the problem? How did that come about? Like, that seems like a big leap. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 under, I identified the problem. I had absolutely no idea what the solution was. <laughs> right. So I didn't have some, you know, grand, I know how to solve the... Uh, you know, the problems of the industry at all. Uh, and I was just trying to learn at the same time in those first, even the first few years, just trying to figure that stuff out. There wasn't necessarily a eureka moment. I think there were probably a couple things that, there are a couple factors that sort of went into ultimately solving it. One was um, I, I got to a point when I was up in, in New York and, and it was right before Christmas. I was, I was like 38 years old and, um, and I felt like I felt very passionate about this. I remember talking to my wife about there's something here, there's something here. And, um, and you know, I, my wife said, you either should kill this dream once and for all, because you've been hearing me talk about it for like seven years, mind you, seven, eight years. Uh, she's probably being really annoyed by me at that point. And it was all good wives are annoyed by their husband. You wouldn't be being a good husband if you weren't annoying your wife. annoying idea, you know, that just <laughs> never did anything with it after a while. And, uh, you know, it really kind of was this uh, a bit of a come to Jesus moment. I remember the conversation. I remember the room we were in at the time where um, she said, you know, you really should either kill the I, kill the dream and just move on and, and just be the best you could be in, in whatever it is you're going to do at the team side. Or you need to go all in and just do it and figure it out. But you need to make a choice here. And I really felt at that moment, I still didn't have a, a, an idea of how to solve for this, mind you. So I still didn't know what it was. And um but I remember uh, thinking to myself that, you know, I didn't want to look back when I was 90 years old, uh, that I never gave it a shot. And I never just like put myself out there. And this was again, you know, six, seven, probably about seven years after I went to the to the Dolphins. So 
I, I also felt like, what's my next big leap? What's my next big jump of growth? Or am I just going to do the same thing in a different market, a different team, but the pitching and catching of sales and management is going to be the same, just, you know, just, just a different place. And I really kind of felt like that uh, at that point in my career. And so uh, she said, well, go downstairs in the basement. We had a, we had a house in Brooklyn and an office in the basement. She said, go downstairs and don't come up until you come up with an idea. <laughs> she's Scottish from Brooklyn, pretty tough girl, pretty tough yep. family. Uh, so she wasn't messing around. And literally that's what she said. And I Just remember- going out in the basement. You're relegated. Chris is relegated to the porch. You were yep. relegated uh, to the basement. I was. I mean, fortunately I didn't have what he has, but, uh, <laughs> you never, you never but I, I had no idea. So I sat down there, uh, you know, endlessly thinking about this. So there wasn't a eureka moment. I, 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 and you know what, fortunately, and this is, I guess for the, for the young people out there, save your money early and often, like make the sacrifice uh, as soon as you start making any sort of money, whatever, no matter what it is. And I didn't make a lot starting out uh, because it allowed me after all those years to actually go down and actually um, leave my job and say, I'm going to take a year and a half or, you know, whatever it takes. And it's kind of the burn the boats moment and say, I'm going to figure this out. And fortunately I had savings to, to be able to actually do that. Like, you know, I didn't have that like, hey, I've got, you know, I, I've got to work. I, I can't do this on the side. And so I said, I'm just going to go all in and do this and figure that out. And so, I, you know, at that point, I had a little bit more of an idea that, you know, there's something with information and data. How can you get all this information that's out there and organize it and standardize it and, and provide it to people and the whole thing? And so that's what I started to think about. I don't really remember the moment that I thought of the first sort of core part of our business, which was basically massively crowdsourcing offline data that nobody could get because it's not on the internet, which was all the signage, all the, the, the pouring rights, the activations across the country. But the, the audacious idea was like, well, we're going to track all that like Google Maps. Like we're just going to get all that information. And um, I, I, I don't really remember how I, I kind of came up with the concept of Sponsor University or the Scouting Network, to be honest with you. So give everybody just a quick overview, the elevator pitch of describe Sponsor United. What is Sponsor United? You've, we've kind of set the groundwork on kind of how you got there, but describe what Sponsor United is right now. In simplest terms, it's probably like the Google of the sponsorship industry. Uh, and the idea is it collects all of the data that's going on within the sponsorship industry from discovery to, uh, you know, insights uh, on deals, on brands, on properties, on influencers, athletes. And it's not just in the sports space, really, at this point, it's even beyond sponsorship into the media world, out of home billboards across the country. So we track all of that data uh, on every single deal, everybody who participates within that. We standardize anything that can be bought and sold in the industry. So we had to standardize everything from signage, activation, physical venues, intellectual property rights, media, events, community uh, causes, and all of that. And, uh, and then basically collect all that data. And we organize it in a way that for whoever is, is in the sponsorship industry, they can kind of get the, e the answers they need on what they need. Whether it's, I, I'm going to go meet with a brand and I need to have a better understanding of their go-to-market strategy or I need to see their creative, or I need to see how they structure their deals, or vice versa. If I'm a brand and I'm thinking about entering into a particular media market and understanding the landscape of what's going on or what my competition's doing or emerging assets that are being utilized, um, it has all that information 
very, um, very easily organized and discoverable so that it's, it's almost like having a business intelligence group that works for you in real time and delivers that information. And as just as I use sponsor United every day, as in top golf, I use it every day. Uh, when I prospect my companies, uh, it provides me the, uh, email address, the, uh, the name of the people, the LinkedIn profile, what deals they've done and what they look like. Um, so it is like, for me, I don't know how the heck I do this job without it. And I mean that that might be, uh, that's not overstating it. That's I, I need sponsor United to breathe. And, uh, it's, it's incredible. So, but one of the things that I found unique about sponsor United and just your business model is you, you said you just, you, you touched on it early. You crowdsource the information, right? So how the heck do you get all of the information into sponsor United? How is the crowdsourcing done? Well, like anything with a startup, you have to kind of start in one place and one place that maybe others aren't doing it to kind of get some sort of traction initially. The crowdsourcing component of our business probably makes up about 12% of our total data. 10 to, it's probably actually less than that, probably about 10% of all the data that we track within the, the platform. Uh, but initially, when we didn't have any money or what I didn't have any money, I was just starting it out. Uh, we wanted to collect all this information. Um, the idea was... Well, how would you, I used to go to an away game stadium. I'm sure this has happened to you, Rob. You walk around and you're like, oh, wow, look at all these things going on. Uh, totally. You know, look, look at, at the this sponsors there. Look at over there. Yeah, it was, it's fascinating. It's like, it like Christmas Day seeing some of those things. And I realized unless they write about it in, in like the Sports Business Journal or something, there was no way to actually, you know, see that that was going on unless you had a friend at a team or, or whatever it might be. And so the idea was, well, if we could physically attend every single venue, every single game, uh, and, and track everything that's being done, the pictures, all of that. Uh, in theory, you could have all this in one place, which would be just absolutely amazing for everybody. And fortunately, uh, having been in your shoes and, and in the salesperson's shoes myself, uh, the fun thing was I always looked at like, what would be the ultimate tool where, you know, everything from, uh, you know, prospecting to emails to all the information that I'd want, that's a very inefficient process, what if I could just have that right there? Like how awesome would I be? How well equipped would I be to do my job or for my team to do their job? And so I always kind of thought in that aspirational way about it. Um, but in terms of how we ended up getting the information, one of the interesting things that I thought about at the time was that uh, when, I, when I was at the Dolphins, I think there was about four or five schools that had sports management programs when I first got there. And I remember, uh, I remember being at the teams and seeing uh, just reams of people trying to get their foot in the door, get an internship with the teams and realizing that there were so many more sports management programs out there. You know, today there's there's probably close to 700 schools that offer some sports management program or classes. And so uh, they're not making that many more teams. And so the idea behind it was, well, you know, number one, because there's so many of these programs, how does a student differentiate themselves in the market if everybody else also has a sports management degree? Um, how do they get access to knowledge about a team if it's so competitive they can't even get their foot in the door at a team as well? And I came from a place where I had no internships coming out of school. I cut grass at a cemetery and bounced at a at a bar on the water. Uh, you know, that was my, and, and I raked the the sand pits in the winter time at the University of Delaware. So I had like no and I and I did not have a great GPA. So <laughs> I I, I kind of looked at that and I was like, well, how do you provide more opportunities to more people to give them real tangible experience? 
And the one thing that I at least had, even though I had nothing else, was I had some sort of experience and knowledge about what actually happens within a, um, within a sponsorship department. And so I thought if I could somehow share my knowledge to a lot of people and teach them about this, I could also send them to events and maybe they could, you know, track all the information from they'll go to a game, I'll buy the ticket and they'll go to the game and they'll send me a spreadsheet back. And then I'll just aggregate all these spreadsheets and I'll have some sort of form of data. And that's how it really began. It's incredible. It it's incredible. What it? It's incredible. I love, I love that model. I used to walk around. I remember I used to walk around Brooklyn. There'd be like eight, uh, eight, eight college students on a phone call. And I would, you know, my headset and I would just tell them, here's how the rights fees are done. Here's the size, basically teaching them almost like a course on the business. And the idea was, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to take advantage of anybody. I wanted to, I wanted something that I would have wanted if I was in school right. where I could be like, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know. Like yeah. every piece of knowledge I've gained as an executive, I want to share with you so that you know this and you can differentiate yourself. And I also thought if they're interviewing with these teams, they're going to know more than 99% of the teams actually know because they're literally like studying every minute detail of that stadium, like head to toe. So they're going to walk in there and be like, why do you know so much about the nuance of the brands and the assets and all these things? So I thought I could really create something that was a differentiator and would set these kids up before they even got out of school with this way that they can kind of position themselves and get experience. And so that that's kind of how it started. And I always appreciate those early people that took a flyer on me because I, I literally had no website. I had no company, you know, people were like, <laughs> like, what the hell is this guy doing? This is before virtual, like, you know, work from home was a thing. So, you know, they didn't even, we didn't even have Zoom video at the, at, at the early days. And so it was like, they trusted me. And I was going to like buy them a ticket and they were going to go to a game and, and do stuff. So that that was how it originally, originally started, um, you know, and, and it took probably about a year, a little over a year to figure out, refine that process, figure out a way to scale that. Um, fortunately, I was able to uh, my 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 current and still chief technology officer help. Uh, he came in about a year into it and said, all right, we need to build mobile technology in ways that you can kind of you know, standardize the data and get good information and, and all these different things that go into that. But but that was the original part of it. I used to do calls every week with students trying to give them as much of my knowledge, like here's how it was in the radio industry and here's the assets and awesome. all, those, all those different things. So um, how did you learn the technology side? I mean, you were a radio sales guy, a sponsorship sales guy, and now you basically run a technology company. Well, I mean, I didn't, I never learned how to code or, or do anything like that. Um, but so before I, before I was really good with spreadsheets though. My friends used to joke with me, like, you're, you're like an Excel spreadsheet, like, you know, Savant. yeah, something like that. Or they'd be like weirdo, I guess. <laughs> I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't complimentary. If it was your friends talking about Excel spreadsheets, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, you're so yeah. good at this. They're probably just, you know, busting your chops. Yeah. I think they used to call me Bobby spreadsheets. Uh, <laughs> so you know, I used to create these like complex spreadsheets and whatnot. So, I mean, I, that's how actually how it started was these like spreadsheets that they would fill out. They were pretty intense. And in fact, they used to like shut my computer down because the files used to be so big when I was really, yeah. And so that that's where it originally started. In fact, when I met my CTO early on, he, he was part of the founding team of Priceline. He was the CTO of the ladder. So, and he's just a diehard like Mets fan and love sports data and marketplaces and whatnot. And so, um, so fortunately, and it was, it was through luck through really through relationships. And this is where I go back to the sort of the Plinko thing where 
uh, a friend of mine who I worked with at a radio station, his boss at Facebook was married to somebody and that guy knew the wife of this guy. And, and like, that's how we, and he happens to be in Stanford, Connecticut, where I'm originally from, although I lived in Brooklyn at the time. So, you know, you just never know where relationships can kind of go. And when they come in and out of your life, like where, like randomly you could be connected with somebody who has been a, a key part of, you know, what I've done. And, and, you know, we've been able to really complement ourselves with, he understood the technology and to kind of manage the teams and um, I have a pretty good design eye. Um, I, I like art. Uh, you could probably see it. I got like you got a bunch of art in the background. Yeah, see that. Yeah, I well when I had when I used to have time, I used to paint. But I, I love design, and uh, and so I could really look at it through the lens of like how would how would you or I need to go like go on the website and see like the layout, like so that whole design that you use. I, I originally built that off of a PowerPoint, actually. Like <laughs> a power, you built it on a PowerPoint. I did it. I laid out like the whole, like basically like the framework of the platform was done off of a PowerPoint uh, and, uh, and, you know, showing friends and, and tweaking that to make it this beautiful, basically it made the PowerPoint look like a computer, like perfectly laid out uh, just like that. But that's not too far off the original design from like five, six years ago to what it is today in some ways. It looks, it's, I was, it's very user-friendly. So you work with all of these sports management uh, students to be able to crowdsource so much of your information. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, uh, sponsor university. And I see people all the time. Uh, I've hired them that were sponsor United scouts, right? So can you take me through this process? Because I have a feeling a lot of our listeners would be interested in something like this. Yeah, you know, today, um, about five years in, we've had over 3,000 of these scouts that have worked with us. And it's, it's been really cool to, to see it grow. And not only that, we have about 120 employees that actually went through that program. Some of the key people in our organization and client service and operations, probably people you've even interacted with, started as scouts, just, you know, college kids starting out. So for us, and you'll appreciate this uh, from, from your uh from your Paw Sox days is I almost looked at it also like a minor league baseball system. Like we could actually source talent as we grow as a scaled large organization. Um, we essentially can develop people right from, you know, early days and ha have these talented people and kind of move up through the organization at the same time and hire or have them go off to other organizations that ultimately we work with as well. So kind of, you know, most organizations probably have somebody that worked as a scout um, at some point. And so, it's kind of cool to be able to see that. And we had to, you know, I could only scale like me being on phone calls with people for so long. So we had to build almost like a formal, like training ground. And I, and I, and I actually um, looked at Khan Academy, if you're familiar with that as sort of my. I am not. Help, help me. Educate me. Khan, Khan Academy um, is, uh, there's a gentleman who was, it's a great story. Years ago, I was teaching his niece, nephew, uh, you know, math, and he was doing it on video. And, and he, he created all these courses where he would just do like videos of like different equations. Now it's it's basically like a free university for the world. And and this person um, is, uh, I can't remember his first name, but, uh, but just, I mean, just one of the most well-respected educators in the world, what he's done. You can go online, any course you want. Now it's like math, English, everything, algorithms, whatever you want to learn it's all free and it's all there for anybody. And so I thought it was so cool to be able to, to sort of introduce that. It, it's amazing. And, 
In fact, the early videos look like Khan Academy videos too. It's like a, it's almost like a whiteboard that, uh, um, so we had to basically create a whole training regimen uh, that was very, very specific in terms of introducing, well, here are all the assets, here's how, what brands are, how they're structured. And, and so we had to develop that and it's a pretty intensive uh, course essentially that, uh, that supplements what they actually will do with us at the same time. And then they have to take tests. They have to watch videos. It's the idea is like, how do we equip you with in a very condensed period of time, uh, introduce you to the industry and also get you really ramped up to speak the language. And I always think of like people who there's two ways to learn languages. You can read it in the book and take tests, or you can go to a country. Yeah. I look at this as almost like going to the country of sponsorship and sports and entertainment. We are going to immerse you in this space. We're going to refine the training, but we're going to throw you out there and also figure it out. And you're going to work with a network of people that are across the world. It's, it, it's unbelievable. So how does how does someone become a scout? And is there a difference between being a scout and sponsor university, or is it the, is it one is it uh, synonymous? It's it's one and the same. And so that's kind of the entry uh, program that we have is becoming a scout. And so three times a year we bring groups in um, anywhere from 150 to 200 uh, students. Uh, that we vet out. I mean, we actually, you know, fortunately are at a place now where um, we, we get a tremendous amount of um, uh, inbound and people that are interested in it. And so, um, but our goal is to have uh, teams of people in every single city. We're in about 85 cities across the world now with not just one Across person. the world. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, everywhere from, you know, India, Mexico, Spain, uh, 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 Asia Pacific, throughout Canada. And in the U.S., we're in I want to say like 55 cities with teams of people and full-time teams as well. So we, we physically have to be in every market. So it's one of the reasons we've been a virtual company from day one is our, our entire company is spread out and distributed throughout, not just the U S Canada, but internationally also that manages and works with those pe uh, those people as well. So, so are the, all these people crowdsourcing the data or what are most of the people doing? That's a quote unquote scout. Yeah, on the on the scout side and what that program is now, um, we we have a full time team that does more of the complex scouting at this point. You know, back in the back in the day, it was like anybody that could go to something and get us some piece of information was, was yeah right was valuable as as we were trying to just get coverage. Um, now what we do is we we put them in a program, and, and fortunately we've done this enough where we we kind of know, um, you know, how do we best sort of introduce them to these concepts, but they go through. For the first three, four weeks, all they do is um, they participate in training, group meetings. We also layer in a lot of just career development. Um, and what are some of the trainings that they go through? What do you, what? Do... Well, we do a speaker series, number one, every other week. So we'll actually bring in executives, um, diverse executives across the industry that talk about somewhat similar to here of like, tell us your journey, tell us the learnings, the things you'd want to know. And that's on the brand side, agency side, team side, everything from activation to sales uh, to the media industry. And, and they get introduced to that. And we have a pretty um, pretty uh, thorough library of thought leaders, actually, too. Almost like an internal podcasting of... Hey, like, don't start recording that and putting it out there, there. You're going to get me out of my, you know, the front office feature is going to go down the tubes. I, I got to hold it back. So you got to be part <laughs> of the program to get it. So we, we keep some things uh, in-house there. And that's, that's one of those. So you have this like library and this access 
Um, but we also go through personal development as well, or professional development. We do AMAs all the time with our different executives within the organization, everything from, you know, your LinkedIn profile and uh, goal setting. We did a goal setting session this past week with one of our executives who's gone through like Tony Robbins program several times, and we'll actually run through those things. So we try to kind of create these ancillary values and benefits to develop these young people. And again, ultimately, whether it's because we're developing them to be executives and leaders within our organization or within our partner organizations that we work with, and the better that we serve them, if they walk out of that program and say, that was freaking amazing and I loved it, they're the best uh, They're the best recruiters, they're the best people to get other talented people into the ecosystem for us as well. And many times they go off to organizations and say, hey, um, can we get Sponsor United here? So the better we can serve them and make them as good as possible, there's so many ancillary benefits to trying to empower them with as much knowledge, experience, training that we can. And ultimately, it also just creates better data and experiences. But for them, the people that just start out, we stair-step them into the whole process. We don't throw them into con complex sort of environments, uh, but they will start to go out to events. If you know, when it was, it's, it's interesting because when we were in the thick of COVID, uh, we did. We actually pivoted all the digital and virtual stuff, so they they could be based anywhere. It doesn't matter where you're physically based within the organization, um, but they can go into things that they might be interested in, whether it's NIL, whether it's esports, whether it's music, um, no matter what it is, and they can really dive into that, learn, um, and experience those different things at that point. So, how is Sponsor United growing? Right, I use it from a, a sales guy perspective, but you got NIL. You've got influencers, you've got music, you've got um, all kinds of different avenues that uh, Sponsor United is growing. Where is Sponsor United? Where will Sponsor United be in a year and three years and five years? Yeah, for us to really tangibly grow, we had to build technologies to help us scale data and information. And so a big part of that was um, uh, digital broadcasts, social media, being able to scrape all this information at, at you know massive amounts of information and have that stored within our system as well to sort of supplement the offline data. We want to piece together the entire structure of deals uh, at the end of the day, the entire thing. So that's why I always say go back to kind of Google Maps. We have to have everything done. Uh, and, and that is really almost like never going to be complete um, at the end of the day. Um, but the company is diversified in terms of our partnerships. Four years ago, when we when we launched, um, we only uh, targeted professional sports teams because that's all we were tracking the data on. We yeah, wanted right. to get like, one thing right. And the idea was, well, professional sports within the big five leagues probably has the most complex of deals. Um, and you know, obviously the most money is spent there. So the idea was if we can figure out all the data there, and we can actually show value and get people to say, this is val like a team getting them to buy into that. Um, then if we can figure that out, then scaling into minor leagues or, or other college, other environments, there's more of them, but the actual variables and things are kind of simpler to get. And so for us, we've been able to, to sort of parallel path. Now we uh, we're international with, with some of the largest organizations, everything from like a La Liga or most recently like an AS Roma to media, whether it be ESPN or Turner Broadcasting, Sinclair, iHeartMedia, Clear Channel Outdoor, uh, you know, because we track all of that data, even the billboards in Times Square to, you know, uh, uh, an airport or whatever it might be. It's, it's all sort of complementary to each other. And so it's allowed us to get into a lot of different areas 
And we brought in about 450 organizations as partners just in 2021 alone. And you're like taking over the world, Bob. You're taking over the sponsor world. It's been, I think that's what you're doing. Trying to figure it out. I don't know, but we want to be able to work with everybody and kind of democratize access to this information. So you said that you get 10 to 12% of your data from crowdsourcing. Where's the other 88 to 90% coming from? Is this from these aggregators that's grabbing the information? How does that work? Yeah. So realizing that a tremendous amount of data is, um, you know, on the web, um, whether it be every single branded social post across TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, whatever it might be, um, we wanted to store and track all of that, including the performance mex- metrics around that. So as you well. have a technology that can figure out like if Wendy's sponsored a post that you that. Yeah, we, we, we built from the ground up all of that technology and not because we want to be in one particular space, as you know, and as you can kind of see within the platform, you know, there's a lot of great services that sort of own particular verticals of information. And we realize, you know, it's good that they're out there and doing that. We're a generalist where we want to have that, but we want to have the entire picture of what's going on on top of that as well. So we had to build that because we couldn't not have that in there because it's a critical piece as we, you know, sponsorships grows more digital and virtual and whatnot. We had to be able to have that data and have really good data in that space. So a few years ago, we had built the technologies against that. And we track about 17, 18,000 athletes, influencers, teams, events, music festivals, you name it. Um, and so all of that, and then not only that, every single branded post they do within that as well. And that data doubles every year in terms of the number of properties that we track against uh, as well. And so that's a big portion of the data just because it's so much volume. And then you get into websites, uh, property controlled websites and whatnot. And then you get into broadcast media, audio, things of that nature. So a lot of those, we had to kind of build in-house the technologies and then we have to build the technologies to essentially review and approve audits, you know, in some cases where there's nuance to some of this information, gray areas where it has to kind of go through approval. Some stuff automatically gets accepted and build algorithms to decide what needs to be flagged and what gets automatically accepted. And, and you know, so that's a, that's a fairly complex and uh, interesting space to be in. That's fairly complex. I'm thinking that there's a person listening to the radio and be like, that's a Dunkin' Donuts ad, that's a Apple ad, that's a Polar Beverages ad. Like, it's not like that at well, all. Well, we used to manually do it before we had the technology. We, I, I, I've done it myself a million times back in the day where I'd literally scroll through a team's like Twitter feed, screenshot the actual picture of the like Twitter feed, add the information in. It would take, uh, we used to have, we used to know the amount of time it would take to go through a team. It'd be like seven, eight hours of scrolling just in one social feed of one like property to get that information in, into the system. And now who knows how many times that with your tech, this is why you do what you do. You're so smart. You're be able to take the guy I'm writing it down. Dumb, and I just like, Oh, I'm just going to do this for seven hours straight. And then you know, <laughs> ultimately I'm lazy because I had, we had to figure out a way to do it in a way that wasn't so manually intensive. So let's go to sponsor uh, university. Uh, just back at that real quickly. What are you looking for when you're uh, looking, when you're trying to get uh you know, what are you looking for in applicants? I think generally speaking, people that are just naturally curious and want to learn 
and want to invest in their careers is, is probably the biggest thing, in, in my opinion. And um, I'm probably a little bit skewed because, again, my background was not having any experience in that space. And, and we don't expect people to know what the next 25 years of their career is going to be at this point. And so we also look at it as a good jumping off point to just kind of dive into this environment, understand it and see if it's a pathway to a career or you'll move on to other things as well at the same time. So we want people that are interested in learning about the space and kind of capitalizing on that opportunity to get in the space, tap into the network that we have uh, within the uh, organization as well and and sort of figure things out and um, and just, you know, work hard, be a great communicator. Again, because we're a virtual company uh, from day one, um, the onus is on all of us to just be really good at communicating and sharing and asking questions. We don't expect people to know everything. Um, those are the biggest uh, sort of, I think, strengths when people come in here and are successful is, is being able to just ask, be able to ask questions, communicate, work hard, and, and really just naturally want to learn. I think is the most important thing. I think natural curiosity will get you a lot of places and just being interested in something and then going down that rabbit hole in trying to, you know, consume as much knowledge as you can really helps and become a better professional, a, you know, more interesting person, right? The more, you know, the better. And uh, I think that kind of natural curiosity is a very good uh, precursor on how you will be as a professional. Yeah, I, th I think most people don't know where their talents lie, especially at that age. I mean, I never knew I'd be in technology or in data or in sports or sponsorship or advertising. None of those things. I was a criminal justice major coming out of school. Oh, you're the old criminal justice major. You thought you were going to be a cop or something. Yeah, I, mean, I had family that was police and they pay really well here in Stanford. And I was going through the state police at the time. And I was like, well, that seems like a nice career, you know, admirable to, to go through. Yeah, that. right, right. I mean, if uh, if the state police didn't slow down their hiring process, I mean, we, we might not be sitting here today. And so, yeah. you know, being able to kind of introduce those things, realizing like you never know where their career is going to go from there. That's incredible. So uh, anything else that I, you want to talk about for a sponsor United or scouts or anything? You've uh, this has been a really insightful conversation for me. Well, I think anybody listening that is interested or if they have somebody that they know that, you know, might be interested in going into that. Uh, they can go to sponsoruniversity.com. Um, I think in the next few weeks, we're here in February 1st, but in the next, uh, probably in the next, within the next month, we'll start the application process for the summer. So we do it uh, winter, summer, and fall, essentially. And uh, it doesn't matter where they are, kind of like the NFL, we want to find talent everywhere and we want to be able to have that opportunity to speak to them. Well, we've got incredibly talented people that are listening to this podcast right now, and I know that they'll do it. So, um, Bob, I found this awesome. Um, and I am thankful that you took the time here on a, what day is today? Tuesday, a Tuesday night, uh, to, to join me. I'm sorry. Uh, Chris sends his, uh, apologies. Uh, but, uh, you know, the guy's got COVID, so I guess we'll give him a break. You, you did a great job covering for him. Uh, you know, first time for everything, but, uh, I think the Bob and Rob shows has got some legs. It's gotta be in a small market, maybe Battle Creek, Michigan. We can go back. I can go back to Battle Creek, Michigan. And uh, you know we'll, we'll play the we'll play the classics and you know traffic and weather on the on the eights. Maybe maybe that's the next uh, the next thing we we'll jump into after this career to get ourselves uncomfortable. We'll be very uncomfortable doing that. Oh, uh, I think I'd probably be too comfortable doing it. I, did you hear me in the earlier one? Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, we'll be ready to go. I might be uncomfortable listening to you. Yeah, <laughs> I think you'd be the. Uh, I think there'd be a lot of people that'd be uncomfortable. Like, uh, no. um, again, a million thanks, and uh, I'll be on Sponsor United. You know. 
bright and early tomorrow morning. Sounds great, Rob. Thanks All for having me. You're the best. Thanks so much for joining, Bob. Appreciate you. You got it.